Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Ryan Reynolds here from Mint Mobile. With the price of just about everything going up during inflation, we thought we'd bring our prices down. So to help us, we brought in a reverse auctioneer, which is apparently a thing. Mint Mobile Unlimited Premium Wireless. Ready to get 30, 30, ready to get 30, ready to get 20, 20, 20, ready to get 20, 20, ready to get 15, 15, 15, 15, just 15 bucks a month. So give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Many of us have those stubborn pounds that seem impossible to lose, no matter how good we eat or how hard we work out. My solution is Plush Care. PlushCare is a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. They can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wagovi and Zepbound for those who qualify. Plus, they accept most insurance plans. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. Welcome back to See Also. I'm Brodie Lancaster. And I'm Kate Jinks. BL, what have you been up to? It's been two weeks again. It's been two weeks because despite what we've previously claimed, we're not girl bosses <laughs> and sometimes we've got to rest. Yeah, we do. I got a bit a bit sick yeah. <laughs> last week and uh, BL, you pretty much made me not record an episode last week. Good on you. I was like, maybe I'll be better tomorrow. <laughs> Meanwhile, I couldn't get out of bed. I really don't want to destroy the illusion that we just like are really articulate and with it in front of a microphone. And then we just shoot that episode out to people, <laughs> but there is work involved in between and, yeah. and neither of us were really capable of doing that oh, last week. Absolutely. Absolutely not. How was your sickbed experience? It was foggy as all hell. It knocked me on my goddamn ass, mm. this thing. What was on your, uh, like watch list while you were in bed? I couldn't really do much. Like I couldn't really concentrate on, yeah. on much. I tried to watch Selling the OC, do I need to? No. Oh, actually, you. Mm, but the, my issue with it is, it's a bit like selling Sunset meets um, Vanderpump Rules, and I don't watch Vanderpump Rules, so maybe you would be into it. I do love Vanderpump Rules. Yeah. So, like, selling Sunset is like a contained group of messy people, whereas selling the OC, it's like they've expanded and there are just too many. People. So is it still the Oppenheims? Yes, yeah, the Oppenheims, ah. but they've opened a new like franchise essentially in Orange County. In a worst place. <laughs> and, yeah, and they're selling uglier houses and they have more terrible people working right. for them. One of them is Britney Snow's husband. Is that right? Yeah, I think so. Yeah. The actress Britney Snow yeah. is like a deadbeat real estate husband. Yeah. And he's just, I think he's just a bit obsessed with being her husband. Right. But there's one guy and okay, this like fully will set the scene of what the show is. One guy in his little opening mantra thing, he says, on a confidence scale of one to 10, I'm a fucking 15. <laughs> Like, that's what the show is. I mean, I'm going to watch it, aren't I? You're going to watch it. Yeah. Watch it so I don't have to. It's kind of made for me. The VPR analogy is is selling it. Yeah. Yeah. What about you? I have been, again, not to be like a girl boss, but I've been like kind of working myself to the bone, not in a fun or braggy way, doing all the things that I know are bad for me and I shouldn't do. You're burning the candle. I really am. I'm... 
as well as my full-time job, I am just taking on a lot of freelance work. And um, if you ask me why, I don't really have a good answer. Because you can't say no. Because I can't say no. Because I'm like, sure, a little bit more money's fine, Mm. you know? So looking ahead to a point in hopefully the near future when that's not the case, I've had a few things be cancelled over the next few weekends. And so I'm just really trying to like preserve these like now free weekends and like do some do some living in them, you know? Let um, me live. Let me live. Also, footy's cancelled. My team what? got knocked out of the oh, finals. I'm so sorry. But that means that I don't have to be on tender hooks every weekend this month. Oh, that's right. You can plan ahead now. Yeah, I could I could go to fucking Bali if I wanted to. I won't, but I could. Why not? We could be doing our podcast live from Potato Head. <laughs> can Ooh. you imagine? <laughs> um, they do have a studio there and that's a great idea. Okay. Uh, jotting that down on our sponsors, <laughs> on our potential sponsors list. Look, if you're a luxury resort and you want to put up two bitches with microphones for... A week minimum, surely. Yeah, yeah, a week's good. Yeah, that's that's where you get all the good content from us. Mm-hmm. Um, <laughs> you can find us at See Also Podcast on Instagram. Look, I'll be, I'd be lying if I said I haven't looked up Bali travel packages. Mm-hmm. Um, maybe over Christmas. Who knows? TBD. Great. TBD. It's only a few months away. I did watch some new movies lately. I went to the cinema and watched Nope. Ever heard of it? And I can't wait to talk about it with you. Yeah, I'm going to see it this week. It's like about cinema which is something that i wasn't expecting oh no yeah cinema cinema with a capital c (laughs) yeah and i can't say anything more also i guess this is like everyone listening go see nope so that then we can talk about it openly because i mean it's hard it's going to be hard to get into without spoiling you know that might be a spoiler special for a future episode i also on the weekend saw for the first time the movie paul verhoeven's showgirls Wow. Which I'd never seen before. Congrats. Thank you. You might remember recently I hosted a panel at the film festival that you programmed me on where someone started talking about showgirls and everyone else was talking about the pool scene. And I, as the host of the panel, was just like, (laughs) totally... Yes, same. I love that scene also <laughs> because I didn't want to say that I'd never seen it before, but it was my friend Kirsty's birthday and what she wanted to do was have a few people over for dinner and we ate some dinner and then we made cocktails from the Vanderpump Rules cocktail book and we drank them as part of a drinking game while watching Showgirls. Oh. Drink every time there's an overreaction. Oh I needed God, a, you were on the floor. I needed a refill three minutes in. When she was eating fries <laughs> as soon as she arrived in Las Vegas. Anyway, um, I loved it. What a fun little treat. And now I'm telling all my friends, like, we have to hang out together and watch Showgirls. Yeah, it's a, it's a great film. Great film. I made the mistake of being a part of uh, our comedians took over movies of Showgirls. Oh, my gosh. Which is something that we would do um, and we still do at Golden Age in Sydney and it's super, super fun. And it was back when Reese Nicholson and Kyron were hosting it and they got me and Zoe on and we did <laughs> Showgirls together, but none of us had seen it in like, I don't know, a good 12 to 15 years, I would say, and completely forgot about that one really really intense brutal rape scene and we'd been like telling so many jokes the whole way through and then that happened then as soon as it like you can sense it coming Mm. and we all just put our mics down and that was like all we could do until the end end credits there's a lot of that movie that i imagine it's like it's hard to say anything funnier than what's happening on screen Because it's so ridiculous. It's pretty good. Yeah. I think of it as a a Christmas film. When they go to the mall, lots of Christmas decorations. Oh, yeah. Okay. That's going on my list. Last Christmas, I started a a list on my phone of movies to watch at Christmas time that aren't explicitly Christmas films. Showgirls. Showgirls. Clueless. Eyes Wide Shut. Oh, my God. Clueless wasn't on my list. Yeah. They're... With the party that they go into the valley is like a Christmas party. There's of course. snowman. Yeah. Mm. Bridget Jones. I watch Bridget Jones, mm. Eyes Wide Shut, Carol, obviously. 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 White Reindeer. Oh, I've never seen White Reindeer. Oh, it's great. What's that? White Reindeer is this great film by Zach Clark, uh, a New York-based filmmaker. It's about this oh, – it, we – 
I feel like this is an episode. Okay, we'll do it. Put a pin in it. We'll come back to this in December. <laughs> I think I think we should. Yeah, yeah. Mm. I also started reading a book on the weekend that I want to give a bit of a plug to because it is brilliant and funny and smart and talks about like bodies and fatness and like women, like femininity and kind of the weirdness of what that means and art and all of these things. It's by Eloise Grills. It's called Big Beautiful Female Theory. And it's just wonderful. It's like a very experimental kind of book. A lot of um, her artwork is in it. She's like a watercolor artist. The chapter I just finished reading is called Fat Bitches in Art. She's just incredible. And there's currently an exhibition on at Radius Gallery in Hepburn until the 15th of October, if anyone in that part of the world is listening. And it's, I believe, like the the paintings from the book. It's so, so good. Yeah, I saw your post about it. It looks great. I have been reading and not particularly digging the new Otessa Moshefeg book, Lapvona. This is where the sheep is like, sunning its butthole on the cover or is <laughs> yeah, it dead? Yeah, I don't know that that sheep is alive. Yeah, okay. I love her books. I really loved the last one in particular, Death in Her Hands. And I know that that was a pretty divisive title. But yeah, I love her writing. But yeah, this one is testing my patience. Is it like a period oh, yes. setting? Yeah. Yes, in like a small village. And it's quite repugnant the things that happen in the village. Yeah. But she is doing an interview or she's doing a talk for Melbourne Writers Festival hosted by Michael Williams via video link that Mm. I really want to go to. Mm. So I've got to get through this goddamn book. Yeah. I read the Andrea Long Chu piece on Otessa Moshfeg and I haven't read any of her books. I feel like I, you know, we've talked in the past about like not being good active readers and like getting over those slumps. And I feel like her, her like hypey, periods, although it's kind of ongoing, I guess, since my year of wrestling relaxation all happened when I was like not being an active reader or like, you know, being part of the discourse. So I feel like there's a lot to catch up on. Look, I mean, I feel like there was a huge amount of hype, obviously, about my year of rest and relaxation and Eileen, which is, you know, being turned into, there's a screen adaptation happening and there's a screen adaptation happening for my year of rest and relaxation. Yorgos Lanthimos is doing it. Oh, wow. But it's been in the works for many a year. Yeah, okay. But I feel like she really quite tests readers. Um, Mm -hmm. And if you read any interview with her, she's prickly character there was this one great interview with her in um apartamento a couple of uh issues ago that was very good i think that was by oliver mole whose book we talked about last week yeah Yeah. it was it was such a good interview yeah he's great but yeah look i'm not i don't know i've got this thing a throw it in the pool vibe with with certain books i did that with a book that i hated once when i was on holidays oh my god very marissa cooper on the oc (laughs) is it (laughs) with her like first generation ipod mini by next to the pool and then just throwing (laughs) shit in well yeah it's just like i can't do this i fished it out and recycled it it's fine but um yeah i'm i can't have anyone thinking you're a polluter (laughs) i cannot do that i was in palm springs i'm not gonna ruin that pristine desert situation um but yeah look i don't know i've got to get through it yeah okay Godspeed. Um, yeah, thank you. Um, Mercury goes retrograde on Friday, so the day before this episode comes out. So if you're listening and something's fucking up for you in a technical way. Hey, you were, you were Kate jinxing us. <laughs> <laughs> I am, but I'm just, it's, it's okay. Mercury. It's not us. Yeah, it's Mercury. God, this is great for me because I love having excuses. So get your shit done before Friday, before this episode comes out, BL. Kate, I have so much to do. On the weekend. <laughs> well, I'm so sorry, but... All right, never mind. Mm-hmm. Okay, look, one show that we are fully obliged to talk about, <laughs> contractually obliged <laughs> to talk about, but everyone's already talked about it, uh, but it's worth talking about. It's the bear. We get so in our heads about this kind of thing where it's like, this thing's been out for a while and there's been a, a cycle of discourse and then another cycle about the discourse. And then it finally landed on streaming in Australia, like three days ago, <laughs> three months after that. And like a few days ago. And so by this point for us and for any like, you know, occupants of the internet, it feels like these bitches are just now talking about the bear, but like, 
Some people are really behind. Mm, yeah, why? Well, I, I was saving it until after Myth. And for legal streaming. And I watched it on Disney Plus. Yeah. <laughs> I uh yeah, I did too. Mm-hmm. Um okay, the bear. Do we need to go through like the the plot synopsis? No, I don't think no, so. No. Kami, he takes over his brother's Kami's making beef. sandwiches here. <laughs> Takes over the beef in Jerem- Chicago. Jeremy and, Allen you know. White. He's got the dirty hair. He's got the nightmares about fire. He's got Sydney coming in and she's got big dreams. She does have big dreams. She's got big dreams. And in the finale, she's got a really cute little jacket. She's great. Io Edbiri. She's the MVP of this show. She's the MVP. She's the true, I mean, it's a cliche, but she's at the heart and soul of the show. Breakout star. Breakout star. She's fantastic. She's like both the audience eyes into the world where like she knows stuff that needs to be explained to other people and so it's being explained to us but she's also kind of what the fuck is happening in here which is kind of the feeling that the bear gives you it drops you into chaos and you have to figure out who's who what their relationships are what everyone's backstories are what Oliver Platt's doing here and you're piecing it together kind of right up until like the final scene of episode eight yeah, and I there was so much hype about this show that when I finally watched it, I was like, oh, yeah, it's good. And then about, like, the third episode, I was like, okay, I'm pretty hooked. Yeah, you know? yeah. I found it, like, the first time I watched it, I found it kind of unbingeable. Like, I really rationed it out because... So did I. It was very stressful. It's so stressful. It's and a really stressful show. I needed, like, a bit of decompression after each episode. So it was kind of like a treat every time I got to go back in but yeah I think I mentioned on a previous episode after that I like just went straight back to episode one and binged it Mm. in one go because I just enjoyed it so much yeah I I will watch it again I was sad that it's so short a season I know like what was it six eight episodes or something it was eight episodes but they're short episodes especially that like season seven is kind of the very hyped you can tell is going to win awards like the one take episode mm-hmm. in like a busy kitchen where everything is going wrong just soundtracked by like a docket printer the entire episode that just amps up and stresses everyone out and then it gets to episode eight and by the time it ends up the way the season ends I kind of realized like oh was I watching a different show like it there's I don't want to say there's a twist but there's like a there are moments in episode eight that set up what the next season is perhaps going to be and I was like oh I wasn't looking out for this the way that I think I now can when I go back and revisit it you know yeah I still feel stressed when I think about it it's (laughs) yeah like it's not it's a funny and there's some really well-written jokes and Mm. there's some really I mean Maddie Matheson as a non-actor is a really natural performer. He plays, like, I'm not going to pronounce it properly because I'm not from Chicago. His character's name is Fak, F-A-K, and he's like a childhood friend, but famous bro tattooed chef Maddie Matheson is not an actor but is doing such a good comedy performance in this, but it is not a funny show. It's it's a really tough watch. Yeah, it is. It it is, but it's... It's very enjoyable. Yeah, yeah. And obviously people who have worked in hospitality and in kitchens are either completely loving it or totally hating it because it's too real. Yeah, it's like bringing up a lot of trauma. (laughs) Totally. And I think that part of that is definitely that the culinary producer is Courtney Storer, who is the sister of the creator, Chris Storer. And so she worked on it to get everything totally right. Mm. And she's a great chef. She... Ran John and Vinny's in LA for a long time. She gave me a lift home once. Oh my God. Amazing person. Love that. Via our <laughs> dear friend Ari. Yeah. But yeah, there's this really great podcast episode with her, a little C also, um, where she talks about like her culinary journey, but also about like all of her work on this particular show. Mm. And it's really great. It's on mm. um, Cherry Bomb, which oh. we'll link in the show notes. Great. Women and Food podcast is. So good. Cherry bomb. Yeah. I mean, there's been a lot of conversation about like its accuracy and the yes chef of it all, Mm -hmm. you know? Um, And obviously that's all pinned to Jeremy Allen White as the star. I never watched the American uh, remake of Shameless, which he was on for like 11 years, but apparently that is... He's um, new to me. He's new to me and boy, oh boy, do I get it. (laughs) (laughs) Like, do I feel a crush? Those, Over here. I mean, 
he in if he's squint, he could be a beautiful lesbian. <laughs> you know? He's really good. He plays this kind of distressed trauma struck younger brother younger brother who's actually a genius yeah. like he does it very well he's yeah. extremely believable in this it feels very authentic and that white t-shirt is very good yes the famous white t-shirt yeah there was there was this kind of like discourse around i should stop calling it discourse there was a lot of questions on the internet about the shirt that he wears, the particular make and cut and seams and whatever. And Christina Spiridakis, who was the costume designer on the, on the I think just the pilot. Um, she also she, did Career's Folk, the reboot. She's done so many good, so many good shows. Her sister is a friend of mine and always like very proudly posts about the shows mm-hmm. that she's in. But I really loved how once I read that article about the origins of his white T-shirt and she kind of commented that, like, you know, he's like a classic Americana fashion kind of guy. We see him, like, selling denim. Oh, my God, the the big E. I was like, oh, Jesus, that's what I used to sell in, like, the vintage stores. What's the big E? It's just, like, a particular Levi's range. Oh, okay. For a lot of money, but I used to sell it. it, We used to deal in it in this vintage shop I worked at in, like, the... Oh, my God, so that's really accurate, him, like, trading denim for meat. Oh, yeah, 100%. Oh, wow. Yeah. I heard somewhere that, like, in the original pie, script Kami uh was instead of being into like Americana like denim he was like a sneakerhead and so instead of that scene he was selling like uh you know fucking Travis Scott Jordans or whatever when would he get to wear them he would have to wear the clogs in the kitchen totally well that's why they're pristine and you can sell them I suppose on stock x his performance uh, uh, Jeremy Allen White is just a fucking star and mm. his performance is so lived in so real in the finale there's a again i'm just kind of like hitting all the like the markers of this show like in the finale he goes to a meeting for like people i think it's an aa meeting but he it's like family you it's know. like an na meeting yeah and there's a again another one take just shot of him i think it's like a seven minute monologue it's a night of monologue if ever i heard one it, it is it is the audition yeah <laughs> and he's going through kind of his relationship to his brother and the restaurant and food and ambition and all of these things and i know you've waited you've invested in seven episodes by that point to like learn who this guy is mm. and then he lays it all out yeah it's great yeah and then molly ringwald has a cameo as the leader of the NA group. Molly Ringwald in like a blink and you'll miss it kind of moment, right? staring at her going like, could it be? It and is. then it came up in the credits. Yeah. <laughs> and even Moss Bacharach, my God. Oh my is God. Is there a more stressful actor on this planet? I do not think so. He is phenomenal in, I mean, everything, but especially this, the... Oh. He's like volatile. Every time he walks into a room, you're like, no, 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 no. You're you're going to fuck it up. You're going to fuck it up. Everyone's going to be so mad. So much more stressed. Mm. But he also, I mean, like. He's got his hand aside. He flips it like a switch. What an actor. Yeah, he's very good. He's very good. Mm -hmm. Lionel Boyce, who um, is, he plays Marcus and he's part of this like little tight knit like kitchen staff, he gets kind of obsessed with Kami's backstory and you get like just these little fragments of his life as well that you're as a viewer like piecing together. He used to work at McDonald's where everything was made on a production line and now he's really excited to like learn how to actually cook and getting very deep in like the fermented food and like the gastronomy kind of Noma style of like little tweezers and micro herbs. But in the setting of like a noisy, rowdy sandwich shop in Chicago. He's really, really, it's really good. So sweet. I'm going to be like looking for him places now after, after seeing this. So basically we're just saying the bear is really good. The bear is as good as people say. <laughs> like, I really wish we could be like contrarian bitches about it, but um, Same. It, Unfortunately. Is, it is as good as, as they say. So spread it out over a few days. Quite like the daggy music. Oh yeah. Which, which bits are daggy to you? I mean, like obviously the Sufjan, although it's very well placed, but I, it's like I the love Pearl the, Jam the and Sufjan stuff like montage. that. I'm like, yeah, <laughs> this is totally what these guys are going to be listening to. And I really enjoyed that. Dudes just want to listen to Sufjan Stevens and Pearl Jam, repress all their emotions and then set a kitchen on fire. What's wrong with that? It's fine by me. <laughs> Do it. <laughs> 
So The Bear is not the only eight episode tightly plotted series that we've been enjoying lately. The Resort just wrapped up its run on Stan. It was airing week to week and we got to talk about it. I've been enjoying The Resort so much. Yeah, Um, this has way less discourse around it. I don't No one's talking about it. I saw Kristen Milioti on like Seth Meyers a few weeks ago. And besides that, I don't think I've seen any like press about the resort. No, I feel like you have to search for it on Twitter or something. And then people talk about the finale, but there's not much else about it. I don't understand it. It's, it's so good. Okay. So the setup is Kristen Milioti and William Jackson Harper, who played Cheedy on The Good Place, which was in Midsommar. Um, he was so good in Midsommar. He was so he had one of the most iconic deaths in Midsommar oh, yeah, as well. Really it wasn't in a bear suit, but it was notable. Mm-hmm. Um, they are a couple. They you kind of know early on that there is like tensions in their marriage. They're on a holiday. They're very disconnected from one another. And when they go out on a like tourist bike off-roading adventure one day uh she falls off her bike and comes across an old motorola flip phone that we find out was lost by this kid sam who is played by skylar jazondo jazondo the kid with the great face from Booksmart and licorice pizza j'adore jazondo he is a dream I love it. He's such a dream. He's so great. I'm obsessed with him. Yeah. So Emma, Kristen Milioti's character, becomes kind of obsessed with what she finds on this kid's phone. And they uncover that 15 years earlier at the same hotel that they are staying at, he was on holiday with his parents and he and another girl who was there with her father, her name is Violet, played by Nina Bloomgarden. They went missing right before a hurricane came and like wiped out the hotel, killed a lot of people. And so their deaths were kind of just, or they 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 were missing and it was just assumed that they were lost in this hurricane. And yeah, they just start piecing together this like mystery. And you think you're kind of watching like something similar to like the white Lotus. I think it was kind of framed as yeah, early like on. White Lotus meets search party or something. Totally like kind of punky murder mystery, white Lotusy thing. And it's just, it becomes something else altogether. Every episode ends on a moment that had me really wishing there was another episode to oh, go straight into. And so every week it was like, it's been my Friday night ritual for the last, you know, couple of months. And my God, it was satisfying. Oh, it's so good. So the thing that got me into it, cause I just randomly saw an ad for it after I'd finished some other show or something is that it was like from the creators of Palm Springs. Oh yeah. Film. Yeah. That's right. Um, and I loved that film. It was so good. It also stars Kristen Milioti and Andy Samberg. And it's, I think it's currently streaming on Amazon Prime. It's such a good, fun film. If you need just like something very fun to watch, this is perfect. If you want a 90 minute, great movie. It's really good, right? Like it's always my go-to when I'm recommending, like if someone's like, I just need to watch something nice. Yeah, totally. Um, That's not totally dumb. Yeah. It's also about time. Time loops. Time loops. Yeah physics um (laughs) and this this show kind of surprisingly like plays with time and memory in similar ways like it's in it's definitely in the palm springs like not the universe but like the frame of mind i guess yeah for sure so it's um it's written by andy ciara who has not done like a huge amount apart from this and palm springs but this is such like a I don't know. It's like such a little jewel of a show. And apparently he uh, originally conceived it as like a feature film about 10 or more years ago. And it was supposed to be like a coming of age film. Mm. And he has reworked it um, over time and put a lot of things in from the rewrites into the current version. So Mm. the things that he actually wanted to change when he was rewriting it has become the TV show. So he's like used his own process to inform the like politics and stories of the storylines of the show, Mm. which I think is really interesting. Well, yeah, because it's operating on these like dual timelines. Like Mm. it, it jumps between we see the present day couple Emma and Noah and then we'll see, you know, Sam and Violet in the exact same place 15 years earlier. Yeah. So he found when he was moving out of his house or something, 
he found an old flip phone and of course it didn't work like it doesn't in the TV show. And then he took the SIM out and put it into a phone that did work. And then was like, Oh my God, I've got like hundreds of photos I don't remember taking. Mm. And so it really plays on this idea of nostalgia. Like the whole show is really about nostalgia and that like searching for a lost time and like this time that you remember as being better than it was. And it's just a really smart show and it's full of like, adventure as well yeah which is really fun like really really well plotted mystery elements there is a i mean ben sinclair who's most famous for um creating and starring in high maintenance is in just a few episodes of this show but is you know a very essential piece of the puzzle that the show is putting together and there is i i'm not going to give too much away but there is a moment with a mural Mm. And when that episode ends on like something going on in this mural that Ben Sinclair's character painted, it is truly like a, like a edge of the seat, like, what is it? Edge of the cliff moment. And you just want the show to keep going because it has created such a, such a wonderful mystery that you want to solve. Yeah. And I think they really stuck the landing. Like the finale left me just so satisfied. Me too. And it also made me go, there is a possibility for season two. There is. I there mean, is. I saw a lot of people on the internet being like season two. I really want a season two. And you know what? I will watch as much of this show as they want to give me. <laughs> but if this is it, like I'm really satisfied. Yeah. Yeah. I, th- I mean, I really, en- I just enjoyed this show so much. Yeah. The bear is like so stressful in this one. Yeah. <laughs> is not stressful in that same way. And it's also quite beautiful. It's like set on the Yucatan Peninsula. Yeah. And it has like a lot of actors that I didn't know, like Louis Gerardo Mendez was as Baltazar. He's so good. He's so wonderful. I like looked into him a little bit because he's so charismatic. He plays this kind of the local outcast son of like a very powerful, like criminal family who just really wanted to be like a detective because he read a lot of detective novels. And I looked him up because I wasn't familiar with that actor. And he starred in this film called The Noble Family about 10 years ago, which is kind of where he was his like breakout role. And that was at one point Mexico's highest ever grossing film. So he's like incredibly famous. And this is like kind of like a charming project for this huge Mexican movie yeah, star right. to be a part of oh, apparently. Cool. I didn't know that. Yeah. I really liked that um, Andy Ciara said in an interview that there were uh, like a number of uh, Mexican writers in the writer's room and they really lent away from having that stereotype of like drug cartels and like guns and violence within that yeah. community. And so instead that kind of, it sets it up that that is the story, but it's not. They're a family of tailors. Yeah, I really I really enjoyed all of that. Yeah, um, me too. And he said something else that I thought was um, interesting and so not what you hear from, like, a showrunner or from a person who's created a TV show about, like, a way to sell their show. But he said, that's what I was hoping people would do, only to be ultimately disappointed, which is kind of the thing about the show. Everything's just a little disappointing and life goes on. I get so caught up in, like, pangs of nostalgia, mm. um, the idea of, Pasaje, which if you watch the show, you will understand is just such a tempting concept to me. And I think to any viewer, totally. uh, I just, yeah, I feel like there's just so much in this show. You can also watch it as like a completely surface, essentially murder mystery or like vaguely time loopy show, Mm. but there is a lot more going on under the surface. Yeah. What you said about the nostalgia of it, I hadn't really, I hadn't thought of it in that way, but that's totally what it is because we all have this idea of like, if I could go back to that time, if I could like live in that moment again, if I could see that person again or whatever, Mm. there's this real temptation that, yeah, like you said, it's never going to be as satisfying. And there's also like time keeps going, time moves on. So if you choose to do something again, you're going to miss out on the things that came from that. Yeah. Yeah. That's beautiful. Um, the tone, it's beautiful. It's beautiful. It's a beautiful show. Like the tone of it is so specific and really, I mean, I just keep saying satisfying. So it was a real pleasure to watch. And even when it 
veered into kind of, I don't want to say supernatural, but kind of like fantastical away from the like classic murder mystery we thought we were watching or just mystery detective show. It really worked. Mm. Like you, you really took these people seriously and their mission seriously. You really care about them in a really short amount of time. It's just absolutely delightful. Yeah. And do you know what else is also delightful? The Louis Guzman cameo. Oh. I mean, I love that man. He is a fucking star. He's so good. And, like, you only ever really get to see him in, like, Paul Thomas Anderson films. I feel like I do anyway. So it's like, great. Thank you. Yes. And he's playing such a crotchety old bitch. Yeah, it's so good. Which is really fun. Uh, I know I'm always going on about, like, music supervision in shows, but this one is so goddamn good. I was so pleased. It's, like, not of... Like, I feel like with this show, they could either have gone for, like, Yucatan Peninsula-style music, you know. Sure. Or music from right now and then music from 15 years ago. But they didn't. Yeah. And I really loved that choice. And so they're playing, like, Millennium music. I love Millennium slash Sagittarius music by, like, Bridget St. John and Bruin Shipley. And then my ultimate, like, Elliot Smith crying cue song, which is The Biggest Lie. Mm. I mean, it was just really really nicely done have you found a spotify playlist with all these songs on i'm sure there is one i'm sure there is one yeah and that's the resort it's streaming on stan i feel like why am i doing a call to action at the end (laughs) because i actually really want people to watch it and i don't think people are go to stan if you're in australia and watch it if you're in america it's probably readily available everywhere yeah it's on peacock there you go Okay, off the small screen situation and onto a big screen. A film has just opened or is about to open in Australia. It's Peter Strickland's new film. I'm a big fan of his. It's called Flux Gourmet. It's so good. You saw it at the festival, BL? I, I saw it at the festival and listeners might remember in Jinxie's kind of like pre-myth, here's all the things you have to see. She mentioned it. I took her advice. I wasn't planning on seeing it. And then I booked a ticket and I'm so glad that I did. It's a freaking hoot. <laughs> it is a hoot. It's an absolute weirdo fest. Uh-huh. And it's delightful and silly. And <laughs> love it. A goddamn romp. Yeah, I saw it in Berlin and I'd just seen like I'd had this full day of really bleak, like fully bleak. I can't even go into the details too bleak to ever talk about again films. <laughs> and then I had saved this one up. Like I, I picked like an evening session A to go dessert. to. Oh my God. It was just so good. It was just so fun. I just, yeah, delightful. I, I really, I really enjoy his films so much. Um, Can you give me a brief, what do I need to know about Peter Strickland? Because okay. like, I think I happened upon the trailer for In Fabric, like after it was already well and truly out. And I sought out the film, like actively sought it out after watching this trailer. Um, and when I finally saw it, it was just, I had so much fun, but it really felt like a pure discovery for me. Like, because I had never heard of him, I'd never heard or read anything about the film. I consumed it in kind of like a vacuum and... So then when you mentioned that he had made Flux Gourmet, I was like, oh, my God, this guy has like a an oeuvre for yeah. me to explore. And yeah. I have no context for him as a filmmaker. Well, he's a he's a British filmmaker. He's only made a like a short amount of features, um, some shorts I've never seen. I've got to say the first film I ever saw of his was Barbarian Sound Studio in 2012. I haven't seen his first feature. And that is a, Toby Jones is invited to an Italian film studio or sound recording studio. He thinks that he's going to go and essentially do music and foley for a film about horses. And he goes there and actually it's this Italian giallo film that they're making. I think it's called like the equine disaster or something. (laughs) And it just becomes this crazy psychological thriller with this very kind of, yeah, seventies Italian giallo kind of vibe. And then Duke of Burgundy was really good. That came out in 2014. Lesbian Petra von Kant kind of film, also about butterflies. Um, it has one of the best, um, like, safe words outside of, like, Portlandia's cacao. It's like the, the safe word is, like, a type of moth. 
And then, yeah, in Fabric, which you saw, that was from 2018, which is about like a killer dress. Yeah. That's what it's about. It's about a killer dress. It's so scary. It's a killer dress. And so funny. And then, uh, yeah, Flux Gourmet, which is just out. It He makes films about like the kind of border on, I guess, psychological thriller, horror. They kind of, mm, they cross a lot of genres, but they're yeah. always about eccentrics who don't fit neatly into a time period, I would say. And having only seen two of those films, I feel like there's a common thread that is like, he builds a world that everyone in within the world accepts mm. as the world. Yeah. Yeah. Um, they're complete, like they're complete worlds. World yeah. Building. He also made the Björk um, biophilia live film from oh, 2014, which is uh, kind of cool that he did that outside. Kooky, kooky fella. He's a kooky dookie guy. Yeah, he sure is. Love him. The plot of Flex Gourmet is kind of, doesn't really do justice to the experience of watching it. I think like on the surface, it, it sounds like strange, but okay. We know what like a residency is, but it's about a trio of what are they called? Culinary, culinary sound Sonic artists? caterers. Sonic caterers. Mm-hmm. So they're like sticking microphones in like pots of bubbling soup and people standing around are like brilliant. Yeah. So they get a month long residency, this very prestigious institute, which is run by Gwendolyn Christie. Gwendolyn Christie, yeah. who plays Jan Stevens. Such a good role for her. <laughs> she is also a cookie duke. She loves a hat. <laughs> and as, this, as the movie goes on, her headwear just gets bigger and bigger. Oh my God, it's so, it's so good. She takes, she kind of begins to meddle with uh, what is happening. Like as the artists, the, the band who have arrived, you know, have to make work as part of their residency. And she. There's a lot of egos involved. Absolutely. And she's there to fuck with them. And to and fuck and them. Fuck them. <laughs> and I love that there's this like rival group who didn't get in called the Mangrove Snacks. The it's, Mangrove Snacks. It's just like, it's just also good because everything is delivered with such a straight face as well. Like Gwendolyn oh, Christie mm. being like, oh, the Mangrove Snacks. I know because they don't like terrapins. It's like, it's just, yeah, it's as you say, it's very straight face. It's delivered in a very kind of straight way, which I really enjoy. It's not like wink wink in that way yeah but it has a real camp kind of quality Mm. to it but uh strickland was actually in a band in the 90s called the sonic catering band and it's sort of influenced from that that's really fun but yeah the cast is great he always works with um fatma muhammad she's like the leader of the band she's been in all of his films Mm -hmm. and i love ariane labed uh she uh, also played Garance in the souvenir Hogheads Rise. Oh my goodness. Uh, she's married to Yorgos Lanthimos, but she's in a lot of his films. And, but oh my God, Yorgos and Peter hanging out. What a, <laughs> Right? <laughs> Pretty good. What a silly duo. And uh, she's also in um, a bunch of Athena Rachel Sangari's films. And I love her work. So see also Athena Rachel Sangari. She's currently making a film of one of my favorite books, Two Serious Ladies. Ah, okay. Uh, I'm not familiar. I will do some Googling. Yeah. It is a hoot. It is vibrant. Like the colors are mm. amazing. It it's is really stylish. And it's very grotesque. Like I will, it is. Oh, it's like farting and pooping and being in the bathroom too long is like a central plot point of the film. Oh, a hundred percent. Which is you, you need to be prepared for. I saw it at Miff and I, I texted Jinxie this as soon as I left the cinema. And if you, the cinema, I said it like Jenna Maroney. <laughs> if you follow me on Letterboxd, you would have also seen this, but I had like, look, it's a silly movie. People are laughing. People are like chatting amongst themselves a little bit, but I had sitting behind me like a full-blown narrator of a man who I'm not sure if my experience of seeing the movie was made better or worse because of this guy (laughs) sitting behind me but like there's a moment where like Gwendolyn Christie sticks her hands down her pants and I heard this man behind me just go fingering (laughs) (laughs) and then like she there's like a whole running um storyline about like the flange like this you know like a synth pedal kind of thing that like distorts the sound that the sonic caterers are using and they were discussing it but you hadn't seen it yet and i just heard him go flange (laughs) and then there was another part where a guy who's been having all these stomach problems goes to the doctor who's about to read his results and i just heard the guy go ibs (laughs) 
it better. I was like, yeah, dude, like, we got it. <laughs> we figured it out, too. Yeah, I think if you have IBS, you will get a lot out of this film. <laughs> yeah, like the brainiac behind me did. <laughs> it's so fun. It's really fun. Yeah. Film. Maybe eat beforehand. Yeah, or well, uh, don't eat during. I took some popcorn and like a chock top in, and I, mm-hmm. I it kind of turned my stomach a little bit. And I, I have quite an iron tummy. Yeah, I want to see it again. It's really yeah, be prepared. Be prepared for kookiness, and you'll have a really fun time. Oh, you need to be up for anything in a Peter Strickland film. Yeah, absolutely. No dorks allowed. No. Yeah, that is a good rule for Strickland. No mm-hmm. dorks allowed. Is that the episode title? <laughs> I think it is. I've got to see also yeah. for Peter Strickland. Apart from all of his films. And then the Athena Rachel Sangari films that I've already mentioned. The music of Barbarian Sound Studio, which is still probably my favorite of his films. The score slash soundtrack was done by Broadcast. Broadcast is one of my all-time, ah. all-time favorite bands. And Peter Strickland had been working with James and Trish from Broadcast to do just the music that was meant to be um, the soundtrack to one of the films within the film. And then it eventually expanded into the entire score for the film. But Trish suddenly died during the making and um, James finished it, the recording um, after her death. Yes, it's partially recorded recorded with her vocals and um, it's just beautiful. Yeah, I'm, wow. It's just, it's like a bittersweet listen, mm. I will have to say. Mm. Um, but also if you... Uh, also very into broadcast like me um james actually has a sound cloud up he hasn't he hasn't updated it in a little while but he did a few years ago put up um some unreleased broadcast stuff including a demo from 2002 called where are you it's his four track demo and it's really beautiful and it's just like incredible to hear uh trisha's voice you know mm. beautiful yeah gorge All right, it's time for Also Also's. Jinxie and I are going to take turns recommending some things we've been enjoying this week. If you haven't got enough already, add these to your list. Jinxie, what's your first one? My first one is another watch also. Yeah. But it's Baby Boom. I've never seen (gasps) Baby Boom. Oh, my gosh. Oh, I cannot wait for you to watch this film. I saw that you were watching it. You put it on your Instagram story and I think on the feed. It made it to the feed as well. Uh, Yeah, because the other night I was like, do you know what? Top Chef's never seen Baby Boom. (laughs) (laughs) Top Chef, look what's on TV. Um, I, like your poodle, have never seen Baby Boom. Well, my poodle was completely enthralled. I took a video of him just like standing in the living room like just watching it with his little mouth open. Maybe Carol and I will watch it tonight. I think you should. Give me the spiel. I saw it. Is it Diane Keaton? It is certainly Diane Keaton. Oh God. It's, Your twin. I just, oh. You and Diane Keaton have a lot of similarities. I love that woman. Yeah. Just love her. Love her. My God, I feel like I should put some gloves and another pair of pants and a, a hat on while I'm talking about this. Just don't go down the permanent turtleneck route. You know? I mean, I could. You've got a lovely neck. <laughs> <laughs> so does she, but we never see it. Well, we wouldn't know. It's like when we see her legs in uh, First Wives Club at the end, and you're like, didn't know they were there. <laughs> Maybe as we're talking about this, it's reminding me, you know that famous like spooky story for kids about the girl with the bow around her neck, and then a boy yes. finally takes off and her head, falls off, yes. spoiler alert. Maybe <laughs> Diane is keeping mm. a scary, spooky secret from us Maybe. all. Maybe. Maybe. Okay, Baby Boom, it's directed by Charles Shire. It's co-written by him with Nancy Myers. They were married at the time. He made, uh, he also directed Father of the Bride, Private Benjamin. It's from 1987. Hallie Shire's Myers. Who's that one? She made. Who's that one? She made the movie (laughs) with um, Reese Witherspoon. Where oh, that week's the, something going back home. Yeah, shoes. going back home and the dad know. was a screenwriter or something. And so it's very much like Hallie Myers, Shires, whatever her name is. She's the one who, when Vulture did oh, Nancy Myers yeah. Week, mm. and they wrote about that as being like try hard. <laughs> Not quite. Nancy. They were kinder. Rachel Handler, who wrote it, was kinder than I'm being right now calling it try hard Nancy Myers, but it is. Mm-hmm. Um, and Nancy, I mean, Hallie posted on her Instagram being like, it was very like, there's a special place in hell for women who are mean to other women, you know? Yeah, I remember that. And I thought, 
get fucked. Everyone was kind of like, <laughs> be grateful they're putting you in the same realm as your mum, who's a fucking legend. Yeah, I fully agree. I don't remember any kitchens from that movie. I haven't seen that movie. It was a bad movie. Anyway, sorry, I derailed. You'll <laughs> no. also keep going. Uh, so Diane Keaton is a fully proto girl boss boss bitch she's known as the tiger lady she is a lion on like the ceo a bitch stakes. in the boardroom a she bear t- on the toilet <laughs> oh my god did you just make that up no it was a Kristen week sketch from oh, snl that's very funny okay so she is this total career boss she is offered partnership in her business. Uh-huh. She has like an incredible Manhattan apartment with her boyfriend, partner, who's played by Harold Ramis. Their apartment is incredible. It's so like Pomo. He's a hunk. Oh, he, yeah. And he's, he's pretty good in this. Uh, there's a great scene with him wearing a blue face mask. Um, but their apartment is filled to the brim with Le Corbusier furniture. It's uh just good. Okay, so dream. So she's like, doesn't want children. She only cares about her career. That's all she ever wanted. So she's me, but with a hot boyfriend. Yeah, yeah, exactly, exactly. <laughs> all that like a pussy of furniture that we're just tripping over in here. Yeah. Uh, and she is left something in the will of this long lost cousin. The something she's left in the will is a baby. Oh my god. And she has to decide whether she wants to actually look up to the baby or not. Okay. And a raising Helen. <laughs> yes. If you will. <laughs> Spoiler alert, she does keep the baby. Sure. Uh and it's all about this like push pull of like trying to have everything, the modern woman's conundrum. She leaves Manhattan with the baby for this like other lifestyle once she realizes that she can't have it all in the Manhattan lifestyle that she has. Uh, And so she moves to Vermont, she gets an apple orchard and she ends up like making gourmet baby food. (laughs) I call country baby. Oh, wow. And look, it is just like this. So it's like the final episode of Girls. (laughs) Oh, God. It's like this push-pull lifestyle of, like, city, country, uh, like, working for yourself or having time for yourself and also, like, having this high-powered lifestyle and Mm -hmm. money, et cetera. Mm -hmm. So, I mean, it it covers a lot of bases and it covers a lot of very good interiors because it's, like, extreme Manhattan apartment in the 80s extreme Vermont country home. Like there is a fireplace in the kitchen. Mm. The kitchen cabinets have like gingham inside them. It's gorge. Wow. Nancy. Oh yeah. Like really going all out on this. And, uh, she, so she's got Howard Ramis in the city, but in the country she has Sam Shepard. Woof. Oh my God. He's playing a vet. (laughs) Fucking hell. Also, did you know that Sam Shepard, this, like I know, you know, he was a real lightest man etc yeah and he was of course with jessica lang for many many years decades even but before he died he dated mia kirshner who played jenny in the l word what <laughs> yes for like three years it shocked me sam shepherd wait have i got the right sam shepherd the one who like dated patty smith you've got the right sam shepherd Wow, Jenny, get Writer, it, girl. Poet, <laughs> oh my God. You know, theatre maker, actor. Holy that's Sam Shepard. What's that, like a 30-year age gap, 40 years age gap? It's pretty wild. I mean, yeah. I, I, I see it. Yeah. You know. Anyway, it's all about, like, having it all and whether that's possible and whether it's realistic and making your choices, choosing your choice. I mean, it's mostly about Diane Keaton in impeccable outfits. Maybe I'll watch that tonight. There is one quite racist scene in it. Okay. It's when she's auditioning babysitters. Okay. So just watch out for that. Okay. That's a good FYI. Yeah. Just want to, just want to flag that. It is not a perfect film. I, I wouldn't have thought you were condoning. I'm not condoning that. that. I'm not condoning that scene. We're just making it clear for listeners. (laughs) It goes for about like, that's a 30 second scene that absolutely could have been cut. You're canceled. No, um, <laughs> Diane's not can. I mean, Diane's semi-cancelled, isn't she? Yeah, I'm sure yeah, she said a lot of yeah. shit. Baby Boom is kind of hard to find, but you can rent it and buy it on Apple. Okay, that's good because I might watch it as soon as you leave tonight. Buy it because you'll watch it again. I'm sure I will. My cat hasn't seen it either. <laughs> 
I've got to read also, it's a new novel by Victoria Hannon called Marshmallow. You might have read her debut novel Kokomo a couple of years ago. It came out like in the middle of the first lockdown, I think, like 2020, and was set in like the inner north of Melbourne. And so it was like a very satisfying read for someone who like couldn't really get out and like see the place she loves so much. I'm talking about myself. And Marshmallow is a brand new novel, just came out last week. I will say if you are in like very present grief, it deals with like grief over a child. And so it is kind of a little of like, if you're not in the place, I have a friend who's like a new mom. I was telling her about the book. She was very keen to read it. And I was like, maybe not just mm. yet, you know? So that's just like a bit of an FYI. Cause I, it deals with like a very present grief, mm-hmm. but does so in like a really beautiful way. It kind of talks about the effect of the tragic loss of a child through five friends, two of whom are the parents of the child. And it's set in like the inner North of Melbourne. I mean, there's a scene where like two people who aren't you know, it's a group of five friends, but there's the two people who like are the boyfriends of the friends who are best friends, you know, they run into each other at Peter Monty's and then they're like, let's get a drink at a bar, a few doors down. And I'm like, I'm just reading a freaking literary fiction novel when a scene set in Monty's. So it's like nice, nice little local energy, but also Victoria is such a talented writer and I really recommend it. I like devoured it in a few days. Yeah. I'm, I pre-ordered this one. So I'm really looking forward to getting to it as soon as I get through this yeah. Otessa Moshefeg situation. Otessa. Otessa, I need to get to Victoria. <laughs> What's your next one, Jinxie? My next one is a listen also, also local. Uh, mm. It's Julia Jacqueline's new album. Oh my Pleasure, God. Oh which my I God. know you've been listening to as well. I just love her. This one is my favorite yet. I really love her sound mm. and her vibe, you know, goes from kind of tender to very epic mm. uh, quite quickly. I love that. As all the reviews say, she's a very confessional songwriter and I get a lot out of that about mm-hmm. her sharing her journey. But this one is like spikier even still. And I really enjoy mm. how spiky her lyrics can be. And also the string compositions this time are by Owen Pallett and because she recorded it in Montreal. And I feel like he has lent this uh, kind of Douglas Cirque vibe. And I'm really into it. That like matches perfectly with her voice and mm. what she's doing with her music. So mm. it's, yeah, it's a really good one. I, I It's had a perfect a, spring yes. soundtrack. <laughs> I had a Melbourne spring has like slowly arrived and I had a, yeah, throw open the doors and windows and do spring cleaning while just absolutely fucking blasting that album last weekend. It was really satisfying. It's really good. Yeah. After crushing as well, like that Mm. album was so much about like the burden of like having a body, having emotions, etc. Like the most perfect merch, that green crushing jumper. Mm -hmm. And yeah, a few years on, it's kind of like where Julia is now. She's so good. She's really good. Tickets have just become available for some upcoming shows as well around Australia. So that will be really nice to see her. Oh my God. Absolutely. Let's go, Jinxie. I think we should. Let's go to the Julia show. My... Next one is, it's a watch also, also for an old film. It's the movie Contact, <laughs> directed by Robert right. Zemeckis, based on the story by Carl Sagan and Androyan. I've talked a little bit in the past about like my attachment to that Avalanche's album that is very inspired by the love story of Carl and Anne. And I had never seen Contact before, but one of my favorite movies of all time is Arrival. And I think that this is kind of a watch also for both of them, because I think they are perfect back-to-back movies, two films about women and space and aliens and memory and love in the cosmos and communication and all of these things. And I just love them both. And my watch also is a double feature about planets and memories contact and then arrival Denny Villeneuve's 2016 movie with Amy Adams a perfect film if you ask me oh it's very good yeah um I also a fun piece of trivia is that after I watched contact I went to type it into letterbox to give my rating and review and I typed in c-o-n-t-a-c 
And right up until you type in that last letter, the top result is arrival. Really? Yeah. They really, they really want you to connect the dots between these two movies. And I sure did. Okay. Yeah. I haven't seen Contact in a long time. Yeah. So maybe I will do this double feature. My last one is a pod also. You might have heard, but Björk has a podcast. Björk. Uh, it's called Sonic Symbolism. It's published by Mail Kimp. Mail um, Kimp? <laughs> it's been a while since I've heard yeah, that. Yeah, that's a fun throwback to Mail 2017. <laughs> it's a 10-part series. It covers her albums. She discusses each album. Oh, my God, you get to hear her. Yes. Uh, so she's on it uh, with uh, her friends. Um, there's a philosopher and writer, Odney Ayer, and the musical curator, Asmunda Jonsson. Odney is great. Her philosophical takes on Björk are wonderful. They've been friends for a long time because they met doing like preserving nature in Iceland about 20 years ago. Duh. And she often, she, well, not often, but I replayed it so that she said it often, <laughs> but she says Viking for Viking and I oh. just love it. Oh. Um, anyway, I love to, I love to hear about those very, Vikings. Very Diana Jenkins. <laughs> I'll be your willing. And Björk describes her covers as well and like what she was thinking when she was like art directing and and working with an art director Mm. on those. And she describes them as tarot cards. Beautiful. Anyway, it's great. I've been really listening to a lot of her music of late, digging them all out again. Mm. Um, So that's been yeah, it's really delightful. Oh my god, I've been really—I didn't realize that podcast was out. I've been really keen to listen to it. I think I've always found Björk a bit like impenetrable, besides like the big hits, you know, and the songs with Michelle Gondry or Spike Jones video clips. Mm-hmm. Which one is it? I don't know, one of them. But yeah, I'm excited to like Both, I think. learn more about her. I think I've mentioned it before, but like the Pitchfork interview that Jessica Hopper did with her. A few years ago is just... I read that after on your recommendation on this podcast and it was so good. So good. Björk is like one of... I've seen her in concert a number of times, but my mum let me cut school early and made me an outfit to wear for... Her show in like 1996 or something. Oh my gosh. So I was yeah, little little 15. Yeah. A 16 year old. And she got it. She got it. Isn't yeah. that sweet? That's so nice. Oh. I had to catch like two buses and a train and a bus. <laughs> I was like, <laughs> as a kid. Hmm. Oh, I took a night bus to see Avril Lavigne, my first ever concert. Oh, that's sweet. At the Brisbane Entertainment Centre. I live four hours away. Oh, my first uh, concert was at the Sydney Entertainment Centre, oh REM. Oh, God. And their Monster Centre Twins. <laughs> <laughs> I went to school the next day and told everyone that she'd waved to me because I just, I needed to have like a, mm. a, a moment, even if it was a lie, you know? Oh, I get it. Yeah. No one believed me that I had gone because I was at school the next day. Anyway, my last one is a beauty product, a face also, uh, the Charlotte Tilbury Flawless Filter. It is a product that is not makeup, but it's not skincare. It kind of sits in that in-between space and it is designed by Charlotte Tilbury, master makeup artist to the stars. Um, I think, (laughs) I don't know. She has products that she sells and they're all like Hollywood themed. But um, she really fucking knows what she's doing because this product is, it's not quite a primer, but it's designed to sit underneath your foundation. But I tell you what, I put it on and then I don't wear any foundation. It's like a glowy blends into your skin. It comes in different shades, but it almost is kind of sheer once it's, once it's applied. And I pulled this copy from the Mecca website. It's designed to illuminate the skin while blurring and smoothing, inspired by Hollywood lighting effects. Mm-hmm. And I got two different comments from two different people on my skin the other day. And all I had done was like skincare in the morning and then some Charlotte Tilbury flawless filter in the evening before I went out. Yeah. Your skin does look very good. Oh my God. Thank you. Mine looks terrible because I decided to try to use vitamin C again and my skin cannot take it. Wait, I have been doing, I mean, all I'm doing with my skin at the moment is like moisturizing because I used the Sunday Riley vitamin C oil and my skin would just flake off and got really sensitive. I cannot wear it. My skin is like sensitive baby. Okay. Well, we're in the country baby at heart. You're a country baby. Well, we are in the same boat. I've been just doing like intense barrier repair, gentle, gentle Mm -hmm. La Roche-Posay Syncopare B5, whatever it's called from Chemist Warehouse. Okay. That's what you need. All right. 
Thanks so much for listening. This was a really fun one. I'm so glad that we're we're back. We're back. We're back while we're healthy, you know? Don't expect too much. Sometimes girl bosses need to lie down. We'll um, have to start a Patreon to record while we're sick. <laughs> oh, my God. No, jinxy. No, sorry. Take no, a I was break. joking. I was joking. I was joking. We're joking. Leave a review if you like the podcast and uh, follow us on Instagram at see also podcast. Do tell your friends. It's like the nicest way that we can reach new people. Get in touch with us via DM. Uh, thanks so much to Samuel Hodge for our original artwork and Harvey Sutherland for our original theme music. Bye. Bye Bye-bye. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com style for free shipping and 365-day returns. Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here, and it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt-free. Hello Fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan-crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at hellofresh.com. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com style for free shipping and 365-day returns.